Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes On, a hopeful manifesto for peacemaking, a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. My name is Hazel Lee. I'm one of the JPA interns and joining me today is Steve Hucklesby, who is one of our policy advisors. Hi, Steve. Hi there. In anticipation of the next general election, political parties are planning their pledges for election manifestos. The Joint Public Issues team has been thinking about what pledges we'd like to see. And this is the fifth of six special 10 Minutes On podcasts offering our thoughts on what would make manifestos truly hopeful based around JPUT's six hopes for society. We hope to inspire you to think about what your hopes for party manifestos might be. And perhaps you can write to your MP or a political party to suggest them. So with all that in mind, we'll start by thinking about why one of our six hopes is for a world that actively works for peace. So why, Steve, should Christians want to see a world that actively works for peace? And what does that mean and why should we care? Thanks, Christians. We have always had a very long tradition about tackling injustice wherever that occurs. Today, we live in a globally connected world. If you think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, we know today that the injured person at the side of the road uh, may be in our community, but they could be anywhere in the world. I think, as also as churches, we've got great networks across the world as Baptists or Methodists or Reformed people. We've got those links uh, at the local church level with uh, church members uh, all around the globe. We hear their stories. Uh, We can be involved in dialogue and problem solving uh, with them in in their communities and also looking what needs to be done uh, at a global level. Yeah, so it really connects us to our, our global brothers and sisters around the world, doesn't it? So Steve, I wonder if you could explain a bit about why we're kind of calling for the UK's increased role in conflict prevention um, and what it is we're calling for as we start to look at the three proposals that you've put forward for, for pledges for, for party manifestos. We've got one on disarmament, including nuclear disarmament. We've got one on addressing the reduction in the UK aid budget. And we've got one on addressing the UK's role in preventing conflict. So I think why don't we start there? And could you tell us a bit yeah. about what what that means and why we're calling for an increased role in preventing that conflict? Yeah, sure. With all of these three areas, the common theme here is about cooperation to tackle joint threats that affect us all across the world. The Sustainable Development Goals bring together some diverse areas like conflict, taxation, uh, food security, gender empowerment, because we acknowledge that in today's world, all of these issues are interlinked. They all have an impact uh, on each other. So, for example, we're working within our own communities and our own churches to address the climate emergency. We recognize that there's this nexus between climate and food security and wars and conflict. If, for example, you can't tackle um, security and peace building without addressing the causes of the climate crisis Mm. or without helping communities become more resilient in the face of climate change. I was talking with Reverend Ian Rutherford this morning. They've been doing great work uh, in central Manchester around poverty, and he's just been to the Vatican and talked with Pope Francis about their experience of linking economy, climate, and poverty together. And now they're involved in a worldwide Catholic discussion, looking to share their experiences and tackle these problems together. So that's the first thing I'd say, you know, that we can no longer um, tackle these problems in isolation, but we need to look at the mechanisms that are necessary for us to work together. 
that involves this specific conflict stability and security fund. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Well, that's what this conflict stability uh, and security fund is designed to do. It's to work um, across the different sectors in order to produce more secure communities and more secure world. So, for example, one aspect of that is gender empowerment. If we can empower women within their communities, then the communities are going to be better able to afford protection to women in the face of conflict. Mm-hmm. So they're less vulnerable to rape or indeed to attack in the context of that conflict. But women also are vital for the dialogue around solutions to conflict. You rarely are going to get a resolution to conflict without the inclusion of women uh, challenging aggression in that conflict. And this is where the UK needs to be much more uh, involved in the future. Unfortunately, the the, the spending that we put into this is tiny. Mm. It's 850 million, which may sound large, but compare that with the 50 billion that we spend on defence. So our focus on conflict prevention represents only 2% of what we spend on defence. And defence budget in any way is not the solution to security for most people in the world. I think that really connects to the second suggestion for manifestos, which is to raise the aid budget to at least 0.7% of gross national income which complies with the UN target in that particular area. I wondered, Steve, is that particularly connected to that conflict prevention idea or is that kind of more broadly looking at the UK's place in the world? It's, it's one of the reasons for the decrease um, in the um, conflict prevention fund mm-hmm. uh, in recent years. And people will know that we've made it to 0.7% for many years on the aid budget. And then during covid inexplicably, in, in, in my view, we reduced that to 0.5% because the budget was going down anyway. That was, mm-hmm. within one year, a whopping 30% decrease in mm-hmm. the um, amount that we spend um, on alleviating poverty uh, across the world. Our aid budget has been pared back to the bone today, uh, and uh, what we we need to, to see the UK, again, restored to a position of one of the world leaders in tackling poverty worldwide, working with the UN, working with um, other governments to achieve solutions in this area. We can't do do that unless we're actually prepared to put up some money from the UK. And of course, alongside that work on the aid budget, our churches have been doing a lot of work on the Treaty for the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which connects into our final point. You know, we've been asking the government to engage with kind of non-nuclear weapon states and and um, that particular treaty. Do you want to just explain a bit more about that first pledge? Yeah, well, I think this is quite shocking. It's almost as if recently um, the UK government is scared of the disarmament agenda. Mm. It's running away. Um, there was a meeting of uh, the first meeting of state parties on the Treaty of the Prohibition of uh, Nuclear Weapons last year, and the UK judgment, uh, government chose to stay away um, from that meeting, even though we have an ambassador who's uh, well placed to attend. Uh, what we'd like to see, um, and what we would like um, political parties to pledge to in the context of the general election, uh, we'd like to see the UK government engaging with states that support the Treaty on the 
prohibition of nuclear weapons, which anyway is supported by around half of the world's uh, governments. We had last year also the failure of the uh, MPT review conference that was mostly related to the conflict in Ukraine. But this is where we need support for the United Nations. This is what the United Nations was built for, to achieve cooperation across governments, even when relations between the great powers are bad. What we're like, again, political parties to commit to is to support the United Nations disarmament agenda by calling for a uh, general assembly to convene a fourth special session on disarmament, which would enable diplomats and governments to come together to fix the broken disarmament machinery uh, that we have at the moment. Really important treaty and and a shame that our government hasn't yet been willing to to be involved in that. Now, I'm sure there's people who are maybe who've been listening to this podcast who are perhaps already passionate about peacemaking. Um, and hopefully there are a few that weren't before and have been intrigued by what we've been saying, Steve. Um, I'm just wondering, for those people, where are the places they could go to to learn a little bit more? On the special session on disarmament, um, there's a group in the UK called Scrap Weapons mm-hmm. uh, who have got some good resources on that. And they have mm-hmm. been working with diplomats with the Vatican in uh, getting a General Assembly resolution for uh, this special session to take place in the coming years. So Scrap Weapons is one place. Mm-hmm. The Joint Public Issues Team website will resource people in all three areas. And so that's a good resource around the aid budget and also around the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. I'm very aware that there's a lot of people working in these areas already, and I'm inspired when I hear about some of the work that's going on within our churches. But with the general election come up, this is the opportunity that we have, I think, to be able to work as groups together to leverage uh, political change in our own government. There's this really powerful Margaret Mead quote, which you brought up before we started recording, Steve, which is really striking. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 10 Minutes On. I'll be back next week for our final edition of this special series of 10 Minutes On podcasts. For more from the Joint Public Issues team, please do go to our website at jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around. Thanks so much for listening.